0: of course my message I've been pre- preaching a little bit here and a little bit there on uh, titled a revealing a revealing and this is part 4 of this message called a revealing you and I need to conduct ourselves as though the lord uh, was coming back uh, before the service is over that's how we should always conduct our lives uh, there were the Jesus gave a parable about the servants who Just figured, well, my Lord is delaying his coming, and he started to act crazy and figured that before the master came back, he could get it right. Now, what kind of servant is that? And uh, the master caught him with his work undone. And we don't want to be like that. We want to live uh, in a perpetual state of readiness. That's where we want to be, ready. I'm ready. For whatever God wants, I'm ready. Uh, occasionally, I will ask somebody to preach. I say, can you preach tomorrow? You know, rarely do I ask anybody, "Do you can you preach today? But my pastor used to say, well, you're up in five minutes, son. I'm thinking, wow. And, and I, I was not happy. And I was not happy. And um, he said, well, if you meet somebody on the street who is desperate and they need a word from God, do you have two weeks to get ready? And so, really, I think we ought to live in that perpetual state of readiness, always reading, always praying, letting the Lord wake us up in the middle of the night and keeping us up. And, and we're praying and praying because uh, we don't know what God is, is going to do the rest of that day. And God knows how much sleep you need. And I had to grow into that. I had to grow into that. Let, let me talk a bit about revealing. I want to recap. Uh, we're in John chapter 8. And Jesus is in the temple preaching And uh, the Pharisees just interrupted his message. How rude of them. These were people of God and they were rude. True people of God are not rude. And they were representing God. They were the keepers of the oracles of God, the sayings of God, the utterances of God. They had God's words. And they had God's law. And they had a covenant with God. But they did not behave themselves as such. And so they interrupted Jesus, brought the woman caught in adultery, said all kinds of things to Jesus. And, and uh, of course, uh, you know the story how Jesus uh, spoke to them and said, you who are without sin cast the first stone at her. And uh, they were convicted for their sins. They walked away. And then another group of Pharisees got uh, sort of confronted Jesus. They were coming at him, as it were, left and right. And these problems that we are facing, not only in America, but in the whole world, we are facing problems. And I, I think in many ways unprecedented in their scope uh, and, and also um, in their ferocity, if I may say. I do know that we have had world wars and, and, and killings, but COVID has come in here and wrecked maybe more than uh, those wars. Are you following me? Sometimes these things are so subtle and they're understated, but they're very devastating. And we want to be on guard. That is not, not afraid on guard, but knowing him whom we have believed and knowing and being persuaded that he's able to keep everything that we have committed to him against that day, against this day uh, as well. Amen. So Jesus is talking to these, uh, uh, this other group of Pharisees, and I, I mention that because in your life, in my life, we, uh, problems are going to come at, from, uh, at us from all directions. And so we don't have to be surprised. At, oh, what's going on? You know what's going on. Read your Bible. But you shall be able to stand. Because he who is in you, within you, is greater than he who is in the world. So this is how we want to walk this out. And I would like for you to believe the gospel. Just believe the gospel. One of the greatest enemies we have uh, to believe in the gospel is what we believe before we start to try to believe the gospel. That's one of the greatest enemies. All those things we learned along the way. And now we have enshrined them in our lives. So let us get rid of those things and just believe the gospel. And if you want to believe the gospel, you have to do as Mark recorded, repent and believe the gospel. Amen. 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 Repent. So this is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to something mighty, something great, um, something that is too wonderful even for the words that I have. Um, So let me just talk a little bit more about this. In John chapter 8, verse 16, uh, I'm going to recap uh, because the Pharisees were accusing Jesus of Of being his own witness. Now Jesus uh, says, and yet if I do judge, uh, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me witnesses of me. Then they said to him, where is your Father? Now Jesus told them that since their law said, the witness of two men is true. So he says, well, I am witnessing, and my father is witnessing. And so where is your father, they asked. Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father. And I would like to say to all of us, let us don't become all spastic and and torn apart because people don't want what we have to offer. Amen. You know, I, I like the Peter and John at the gate, beautiful, uh, in the temple, and they said, the, the Blame man held out his hand and he says, like, arm for a poor man, uh, arm for a poor man. And and they said, silver and gold we do not have, but such as I have, such as we have, such as you have, give to somebody. And this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to take out of our treasure chest, out of all that God has done for us, and give something to the world. The world needs what you have. And, and it's not arrogant to, to know that you have something to give. Uh, so Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Very, very powerful words. And so to know Jesus is to know the Father. I do know that there are brothers, and I'm not, not picking fights and whatever, and because we all mean well. Uh, I mean well when I if I make a mistake and, and misstate something. I mean well. And I believe a lot of brothers mean well and a lot of sisters mean well when they are teaching. But I think the best uh, way that you and I can, can affect this generation is by staying centered on Jesus Christ. Staying centered on him because God sent him. I'm impressed with Jesus now. I'm not impressed with a lot of people. But I'm impressed with Jesus because how in the world can you have billions of problems and send one solution? There are billions of problems, different problems, but this one solution can handle all of them. It's amazing. How can you have billions of fallen angels and one man can defeat them all by himself? I'm impressed with him. And, and so this you have many questions, but Jesus is the only answer. Those are things. You, there are many sources in the world, but Jesus is the only source of life. So let us give what we have had and what we have received, rather, from God. So the Scripture goes on, John chapter 8, verse 20 says, uh, These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. And I, I want you to keep that uh, in your reserve. You keep the, that statement. We've mentioned it maybe a half a dozen or more times uh, in, in recent weeks. But keep that in your reserve. And let the Lord, uh, as it were, unteach you things that you need to uh, let go of. We, because you have invested a lot of time does not mean they are still worth your time. Let go of them. Let go of them. And so uh, Jesus' hour had not come. Therefore, nobody could do anything to him. So I've been praying recently, and, and Pastor Charles used to always say, "Will you stop that? He said, every time you do that, I have to go through the same thing. But I've, I've been asking the Lord, help me to, how did I say it? Help me to take or, or put up with or receive both insult and injury. I want to be able to handle both insult and injury. So help me, Jesus, you know, make me into that vessel that can do that. Now, I can handle insult or injury, <laughs> but, but when they're compounded, help me to handle those things because that's the world we have. and If we want to be effective, we, we must be able to handle both of those. Verse 21 says, Then Jesus said to them again, I'm going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. You will seek me, and um, where I'm going, you cannot come. You will seek me, you'll die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Now, see, Jesus is telling them, there was a a place where Jesus said, you will seek me and find me. But he's saying to these, you will seek me, you won't find me. And you and I don't, we want to guard against that by obeying the Lord at all times, at all times. Uh, And so he goes on to say, but he said, where I go, you cannot come. You cannot come in the flesh. You cannot come in your sin. You cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. If, if you were if you were of the world, he says to his disciples in John 15, verse 19. John 15, verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. So you and I should not be so, so surprised that we are ostracized by the world. We're set aside by the world. It says, the love the world would love its own, yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. What did he do? He chose you out of the world. So do not comport yourself as though you're worldly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he chose you out of the world. He brought you out. So what does that mean? It means your sphere of activity, your sphere of operation is not worldly anymore. That's what that means, right? So we must operate in that sphere. Are you still with me, guys? Okay, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And what Jesus is saying is the world doesn't really like you. Have you noticed how sometimes on television, uh, many times actually, if, you start, if uh, an athlete or somebody talks about Jesus, boy, they're done with you. They, they want to go, well, well I, I want to, no, no. I love the fact that some of the athletes, they, they sort of hit and miss many times, but they are saying, no, no, I, I've got to say what I've got to say. And I really appreciate them. But, but God, the Lord is bringing us to this, this amazing hour where it's not like we are half out and half in. You know, God is bringing us to where we are wholly His, fully His. And this is what we, you and I want to continue to walk in, being those believers who are not just saying the right things, but living them as well. This is what Jesus wants. In 1 John 4. Uh, verses four through nine, he says, you're of God, little children. Big, big statement. I've taught this a bit, but let me just go through it quickly. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So he is saying your overcoming is not per se, in and of itself, based on you and gyrations that you might have. Your overcoming ability is based on the fact that when you asked, God did. And Jesus came into your heart, so now Jesus has taken up residence in you. That's why you overcome. That's why you overcome. It's not because you've saved some magic formula, you know. Okay, Jesus is not some magic potion right? So because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So what he says is, if he who is in me is greater than the enemy, that means I am more than able to do whatever God commands. That's what that means, actually. You don't, you don't say, well, well, I'll be ready after I go pray. No, I'll be ready as if I believe what he just said. That's how that works. They're of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. So when the world does not Take our message, then you don't have to feel like you have failed because they didn't take it. No, he says, The world hears those who are of the world. So those whom God is calling out of the world will hear that voice of God. That's how you were saved. God was calling you out, and somebody said something or acted in some way, or maybe you were spanked until you got out of the bed and went to church with mom. But somehow you answered. So he goes on to say, We are of God. These are scriptures that must sink deep into your ears and into your heart. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is such a, a metric, this is such a metric, such a measuring stick, that, that this is how we know truth and error. Because when we come with a pure heart, the, the unadulterated word of God, he says, those who are of God will hear us. Wow. And then he tells us, beloved, in verse 7, um, uh, 1 John 4, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, very important, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So he says to us, everyone who loves is what? Uh, Is born of God and knows God, born and know. So you're born again, then you know some things that you couldn't know before. This is what God is saying to us, born of God and knows God. He who does not love but does not know God. John is just very emphatic with it. Just face it like it is and say, what the, you know, pow, you know. (laughs) You know, John said, he who does not love does not know God. Why do you say that, John? Pastor Burt would hear you say that. Why do you know that? He would say, (laughs) for God is love. That's how you know, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, made known to us, revealed to us that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live for him, through him. For him, through him. Yes, for him, but firstly through him. All right? Let's go to John chapter 17, verses 14 through 19. Jesus says, now notice this one before I go there. He says, God has sent his only begotten son. Now, that is, Jesus was engendered by God, engendered, brought forth by God. So what happened was the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, just overshadowed her, and somehow, miraculously, in a God way, put the word of God into a womb, the word of God, the seed of the word of God produced Jesus. It's mind-blowing. And so let's, let's move on. Now, he's begotten of God. Now, hold on to begotten. That's one of your memory hooks. Now, if you don't ever take notes or anything like that or you don't tape the message, you need to write it or buy the, uh, the CD because you're not going to get more than 10 or 15% out of it. All right? I have given them, John 17, 14 says, I have given them your word. It's very important to know that, that God... That Jesus has given us God's word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, notice Jesus makes this comparison. He says, I have given them your word, and because I've done that, the world hates them. That means the world doesn't receive you. The world doesn't like your conversation, your lifestyle, nor your speech. It's true. I'm not paranoid. And and this is what he says. He says, they are not of the world. He's speaking to God the Father. They are not of the world. Now, this is communication between God and God. They are not of the world. So God and God are talking. They are not of the world. And, 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 and the God-man Jesus says, just as I am not of the world, they are just like me. Yes. Yes. Now, wh- now, now, we're going to understand this very important. It's important that you know this, that when in every trial you know this. You know who you are. You know who you are. You know who you are. You're not the figment of somebody's imagination. You are who you are because of what God, Jesus has done. He gave you his word. He goes on to say, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. I don't want that. So you and I always praying to get out of some bad situation. You know I'm telling the truth about you. Because I've been telling the truth about me too. I mean, I know you've practiced suffering avoidance because I have to. It's the it's the way of of man. We think that oh, we don't want the devil. We don't want him to lay a glove on us. Don't don't touch it because that's not victory. Come on, what's victory is when you take your lumps and you keep on going. That's victory. I don't victory? You got you get in the ring with a, a 21-year-old Mike Tyson and, and he just swings and hits the air and you come out and you dab him two or three times and you won. Come on. But it's victory is when you took all those body shots and head shots and arm shots and everything else and at the end you were standing and they raised your hand. That's victory. God is not saving us from problems. God is taking us through problems. That's, what, that's the revealing of the sons of God. The Bible says that the whole creation is groaning, groaning, oh, groaning, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. What, what, what is it going to be to the glory of God that, the, that we are only revealed uh, once Jesus comes through the clouds? Oh, well, no, we need to be revealed right here in this present darkness. Amen. Amen. So he says... I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Keep them from his plans, his works, his attitudes, positions, persuasions. They are not of the world, Jesus says again, just as I am not of the world. Why would Jesus say that again? He emphasizes it because he knows our frame. He knows when we get hit, we want to say, I must have been mistaken about the first time. He knows that. No, he he reiterates this. They are not of the world. He's not trying to convince God. He's saying that for us. Just as I'm not of the world. Then he says, sanctify them, set them apart, he means, by your truth, your word is truth. What Jesus is saying here is that the difference between you and your ungodly neighbors is the word of God in you, the spirit of God in you. And he says, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify themselves. Now, notice this. It's comparison again. Uh, uh, As he is, so are we in this world. So he he says that we have um, been set apart. Uh, He had been set apart. We have been set apart. And uh, as he was sent, we are sent. This is amazing. He's, so they are not of the world. I'm not of the world. So they are not of the world. Notice what Jesus is saying. And then he says, as you sent me into the world, I, have, I also have sent them into the world. So in, in like manner, Jesus sent us just as the Father sent him. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And so what sep- one of the ma- a major uh, things, or uh, that's qualities that separate, us from the world is truth. It's not just the word we say that may be true, but it is the truth of God. That is who God is, what His Word says, and how we conduct our lives according to His Word. It sets us apart from the world. We speak truth. We speak truth. We should speak things that are true. So I would would like to just say here, uh, like a good hard punch, let's forsake personal opinions that can't be evidenced by the Word of God. Let's just set that stuff aside. Is it all right with you? Super. Let's look at John 3, 3, and and I'm going to just zoom through. Is that all right? Some of you are not saying anything. Okay, John 3, John 3, 3, were you there? Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, speaking of Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Now, if, if you write your bi- uh, in your Bible, uh, write under that born again. You want to m- uh, make note of that. Uh, I, I remember years ago, I told you a story four, five, six, seven, eight times. But somebody is going to hear it for the first time tonight. <laughs> one time I, I, was, I was on a drilling rig and I was uh, we were out there talking to Reverend Stan Mack. And I said, hey, let me have your Bible. And i took that bible that bible that bible had red pink yellow I, I said hey man you got everything on the line he said cause it's all good <laughs> i mean i thought what in the world you got in whole bible <laughs> marked up. I don't know where that Bible is, but that Bible, wherever it is, it's marked up, wherever. But but underlined uh, born again. She said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you're talking to people who who are of the world, they love the world, and they cannot see what you're seeing. So don't be, be angry because the world can't see. Come on. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Here is the Nicodemus, the greatest teacher of Israel of his day. And he was called the teacher of teachers, and he doesn't even know these little things. This is how a religious person may not know what you know, so don't get frustrated and say, I'm going to quit. What? That shows you that you don't have the greater one in you. Because I've tried to quit before. Maybe you've never ever tried to quit before. Maybe I'm standing up here because I qualify as one who tried to quit on God. I thought it was too difficult. I want to quit. Made up my mind to quit. I remember walking down the streets of Cairo, Egypt, going to a Bible story, story telling, telling uh, the, the Lord, I want to quit. This is too tough. This is too difficult. I want to quit. I don't want this anymore. I don't want this anymore. And I'm walking down the street by myself at dusk, and I, I cried out, I can't. I can't. I wanted to. Greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. You can't. The next time you say, I'm going to quit, God say, I can't. I feel like giving up, but I can't. That wasn't Don Lavelle speaking. That was that, the Holy Spirit saying, I can't. What this boy really is saying here is that he can't quit. He's hurting, but he can't quit. Thank you, Jesus. Amazing. That's what being born again will do for you. One thing I know about being born again, once you are born, you can't be unborn. God wants you to know that. He wants you to walk out here with this truth. Okay. So Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So one cannot see the kingdom and one cannot enter the kingdom. Uh, He says... That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And I don't want to take a lot of times, it's in, in all of our tapes, but you, you, you and I were born of the flesh the first time we came. And, and he says, so we were born of the flesh, therefore we were flesh. But those who are born of the spirit, they're not a spirit, they're spirit. There's a vast difference between being a spirit and being spirit. So you are born of the spirit, therefore you are now spirit. So God looks at us as though we, uh, as we are spirit, not that we are a spirit, we are spirit. He doesn't look at us like we are flesh anymore. And, and, but why? Because you've been born again. So there's a revealing now for those born again ones so that the world will see people walking around on, on uh, two feet Just like they're walking on two feet, and and they are different. They live in another sphere. This is what all this is about. Wow, man. This is big, 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 isn't it? And so in verse 7, he says, do not marvel. Do not be all amazed and blown away that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit those who are born of the Spirit are getting their cues from somebody different. It's not from the world. Those who are born of the Spirit are not following the world's dictates. And this is one of the things that's separating us right, right now in these days in which we live is that God is raising up a people. And I saw it even today as the young people and part of the staff, they were working and doing some things back there. Actually, actually, I'm not, it's not a secret. They were giving me a lunch today and just you know saying some sweet things. And as I saw them, I I thought I saw something in the spirit. What I saw was the spirit moving among the people of God. I wanted to say something today, but I thought we'll be here too long and it'll take us away from what the staff has planned. But I saw the spirit taking hold of men and women you, you here, I, those of you who are willing. I saw the Spirit taking you and, and using you in mighty ways. Not just here for, uh, behind this podium, but it, you, you had your own podium. I told people, I'm taking a little bit more of your time. Maybe just, uh, just a bit, just a little bit. I, I, I look back in my life when I was uh, uh, in the oil business there. Uh, we have oil, oil men here, maybe some oil women here. But uh, we yeah, all women I know. <laughs> yes, we, we were working out there, and, and uh, I remember it was a marvelous opportunity for us to witness and talk about Jesus, and it was a frontier, really. It was a frontier, very few travelers, and um, uh, somebody was asking about God's calling, and I said to them, I had an invisible pulpit. And you had, a, and you had, and you had an invisible pulpit. And so wherever you are, there's a pulpit. David said it like this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so, you know, it's like they can't, they can't see the provision that God has made. But you know it's there. And this is what God is doing, is raising you up. And uh, are you going to be a volunteer in the day of God's power? Are you a volunteer? Are you one of those who say, here am I, send me. Like Isaiah, when the Spirit of the Lord says, whom shall I? sin and who will go for us don't just sit there like this come on say here I am send me hallelujah somebody in this house hallelujah somebody in this house here I am send me send me I I, I want to say this. I'm not the template. Jesus is the template. But I can remember as a young man, whenever the pastor, we always had altar calls. You remember remember those days? Uh, They were always preaching. They'd come to the altar. And boy, we'd get up and every time there was an altar call for anything, I was there. You know, uh, altar call for more faith, come to there. Altar call for more grace, I'm there. Altar call to to be a better speaker, I was there. Man, pastor looked at me and said, said, let me tell you about him. He's all right, you know. I almost apologized for me. What am, I, what am I saying? I was hungry for God. Hungry for God. Hungry. Are you hungry for God?" One of, one of my old friends said to me, "Don, you can't be hungry for people." Well, I was sure trying to be. But maybe if I can't be hungry for you, maybe I can, can, can take this word and prepare this word so that you can s- smell the aroma. You see, when my wife is cooking uh, some time ago, she said, "Are you hungry?" Ah oh, no, I'm not hungry." She started to cook. she said, "Are you hungry?" No, I'm not hungry." <laughs> you know She keeps on cooking, I said, "I'm going to eat some of that, <laughs> because good food creates appetite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. Okay, I see that I can't get through with this, but let me just share a few more with you, and I'm going to let you go home tonight. In First Peter chapter one. Uh, verse 3, I'll start. When we talk about born again, we're t- we, I want you to get born again. Born of the Spirit. Born of the Word of God. Born of the Gospel. Born of, came into being through the Spirit. Came into being through the Word of God. Came into being through the, the Gospel that was preached. That's why you're a new creation. We keep looking for outward evidence. No, it's inward. Then it's outward. Verse 3 says, blessed be the God and Father. Now, listen, he's eulogizing God in a beautiful way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, listen, overflowing mercy, has begotten us, engendered, brought us forth again to a living hope. Listen, so he brought us Again, begot us again to a living hope, not something dead, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, listen, this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead means that the hope we have can never die. That's big. My hope is secure. It's built on nothing but Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Righteousness. That's what it means. And he says, our living hope is not just an experience, but it is the person of Jesus Christ himself. You've got to take this home with you. And so when the devil whispers, you just tell him, get out of my ear, you devil. Lying devil. So it says, but to an inheritance. We are begotten again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, you who are kept by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Therefore, our inheritance is reserved in heaven, is kept in protective custody by the power of God in an incorruptible and an undefiled way. And so what God wants to do is to show off this group of people to the whole world. And I'm speaking to every one of you online. All right. I can't say it all tonight. But I did want to finish this message for you online and for all of us here. I still didn't finish. I promised to finish it tonight. But this is what I'll do. I'll finish it sometime in the future. Or maybe we'll just sit down and have a little confab and we'll talk about it. What God has done for you and he is revealing who his children are. This is a once, as it were, in a lifetime opportunity. Don't miss it. In Jesus' name, I bless you. I'll be back in a second or two.